Hello, and welcome to another episode of Murder Dictionary Podcast. My name is Brianna, and over there is Kelly. Hey. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you guys to check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There's a bunch of murder memes and breaking news and serial killer info, as well as follow-up on the cases that we cover in our episodes. If you haven't already left an iTunes review, go over and do that, please. It helps us out a lot, and we would love to thank you at the end of the episode. We shout out every review, and we appreciate all your positive feedback. I'll thank you in my own way. (laughs) (laughs) That's between you and Kelly's vagina. (laughs) In the description and show notes for each episode, we will always put some resources for domestic violence, suicide awareness, mental health resources, uh, child protective services, etc. will be in the notes. The other thing that will be in the notes is some research materials that I used for this episode. So if you ever want to follow up with the stories that we cover, there will be links in the episode description. Like a pencil, a piece of paper. <laughs> some clues. <laughs> <laughs> a little magnifying glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing in our description and show notes will be a link to our Patreon. This week we have a few new patrons, so we wanted to thank... Carrie, Rudy, Amber, and Colby. What? Thank you so much to you guys for your contribution to our Patreon. Yeah, thank you. And the other thing that's going on is we have merch going out this week. What? It has arrived. I know it's been delayed, but the day is here. (laughs) (laughs) So the first person I'm sending our merch to is you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So that is that is Kelly. That is your personal little merch. If you want to open it up. <laughs> I'm fucking open. It's too pretty to open. Oh, I don't want to rip the sticker. Oh, my God. <gasps> it's cocaine. <laughs> cocaine not included. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you oh excited? Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> Okay, I don't want to cry again, but I might cry. It's so cool. I wanted you to have the merch hot off the presses. Thank you so much. (laughs) And I'm really excited to send it out to everybody. I mean, I'm excited for Kelly to see it, but I'm super excited for everybody to have it. Guys, this is awesome. And you get a picture of our faces. Woo! (laughs) Please don't jerk off on them. I was going to say, (laughs) material. (laughs) Use my face as a bullseye. (laughs) This is so amazing. We have a button. (laughs) So we're definitely going to be sending them out this week. So look out in your mailboxes if you're a Patreon supporter. Those are going to be heading your way. I'm really going to cry. I know. (laughs) (laughs) cute i know i'm really stoked you did a great job oh thanks dude me seriously i'm so sorry it's so good you've been waiting so long Ah, you want a tissue no you can just lick up my teeth okay i'm good you good that's amazing i'm really excited i'm really excited i'm happy with the way that they came out and i'm really glad that we'll be getting them out to people yeah yeah awesome yeah, yeah, way yay. to go, dude. You killed it. <laughs> so with all that said, we are ready to get into our topic for tonight. Sweet. Which is occult murders. Ooh. So I didn't prepare too much on statistics and psychology 
because it's a little bit hard to track occult murders and find enough cases to have a full database to, to pull from. Yeah. Really, the statistics aren't out there. There's a lot of books about occult murders or satanic rituals or satanic panic or mm-hmm. anything like that. But it's really about specific instances of it happening mm-hmm. on a like one on one case by case basis mm-hmm. instead of like a general overview. But we can cover a couple things. So occultism is an umbrella term for a wide array of belief systems that involve or use supernatural beliefs and or powers. Satanism is one individual form of occultism, although most people use the terms interchangeably. So Satanism is not the occult, but it is a type of occult belief system. Okay. Cool? Got it. The word occult comes from the Latin word occultus, meaning clandestine, hidden, or secret. The meaning of occult is generally considered the knowledge of something that's hidden or a secret society, which often refers to knowledge of the paranormal or spirit world. Okay. The opposite of this would be knowledge of anything that's measurable or concrete like science. So generally what's considered is that there's the occult, Mm -hmm. which is more ambiguous, and science, which is very straightforward. Mm -hmm. Cool? Got it. Occultism is also defined as meant for certain people or something that must be kept hidden. Practicing occultists consider it the study of a deeper spiritual reality that extends beyond pure reason and the physical sciences. Occultism includes astrology, magic, any system using supernatural powers or agencies, as well as Satanism and other practices. So science would be something you you can test and then have Mm -hmm. like a conclusion with it, whereas this you can't really... Right. It's basically kind of like a dark faith in my mind. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) you can't really define it. You can't prove it. It's not something you can test by Mm -hmm. having like a theory and performing certain Mm -hmm. experiments. You just have to take it upon faith. Okay. Like Jesus? Totes. (laughs) My boy. (laughs) So a lot of these crimes that are in the occult category are really hard to study. We had the satanic panic in like the late mid 80s to mid 90s. West Memphis 3, right? Yes. West Memphis 3. There was also like Richard Ramirez, Mm -hmm. blamed Satanism. um, And then there was the uh, McMartin preschool Mm -hmm. hoax. So there was a lot of different crimes that were being blamed on occultism or blamed on Satanism. But those are generally the kind of cases that are used as examples or just these one-off things. There hasn't been a really huge study that I could find. However, I'm going to keep looking because we're going to do more occult episodes. And if I find something, then hopefully I'll include it next week or the week after. Cool. Most of the time, occult murders are inaccurately attributed to occultism and Satanism. A lot of times it's used as a defense or a scapegoat yeah. after the fact. People need to an answer when they can't find the right person exactly. or actually what happened. And I mean, Satan's a really good. I mean, He's the best. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Satan did it. <laughs> How can you argue with that, really? <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> well, our work's done here. I guess we're done for the day. Sprinkle some holy water on him. <laughs> Make it rain some holy water. 
Yeah, I think that it's easier for people to understand that some dark force is behind a murder instead of actually internalizing the fact that oftentimes the perpetrators of crimes are someone that you know. Mm -hmm. It's generally easier on one's own psyche to blame some unknown dark force than to look at the fact that maybe the family systems are broken, that people's own parents or their loved ones, their spouses are actually the ones hurting them. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody wants to take responsibility either. No one wants to. Yeah, that too. Especially when you can relate to that person too, you'd rather think it was something, like you said, dark instead of like something, someone that's like me or someone that I can relate to because then I I like that you just use yourself as the example. Oh, no. (laughs) Of course, I'm always comparing myself. episode i'm more scared of you (laughs) just keeps me on my toes you want to go do some rituals light some candles do you have a goat (laughs) baby preferably (laughs) oh my or a baby bring a baby (laughs) all of the above there's a coffee bean across the street that's where we can get one (laughs) we'll just sit on the patio and perform satanic rituals yeah yeah i wonder what a satanic fourth of july is like Because it's coming up. Uh, do they have sparklers or like does it? I like to imagine people that are extremely like uh, powerful in their own minds participating in really mundane activities. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> just like attending this like boring Fourth of July barbecue. Yeah. But he's just all black, long hair, <laughs> white face makeup, <laughs> saying that his name is like Damien. <laughs> <laughs> Damien loves fried chicken. (laughs) Okay, Damien, whatever. (laughs) So one of the things that fueled this satanic panic was, did you ever see the Geraldo special on Satanism? No, but I've seen, I think I've seen clips. clips. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Back in the day, that was kind of, Everything that anybody knew about occultism was just from specials like that, like daytime talk shows or breaking news where people would just see like Satanism or cults or the occult kind of pop up as this like breaking news story or whatever. Mm -hmm. So most people had this kind of air of fear around anything that was unexplainable or dark or whatnot. But most of the time, the people that they were using as witnesses or experts on the subject were far from it. Mm -hmm. The statistics were wildly exaggerated. One of the statistics that was thrown out was that law enforcement said 50,000 or more people were dying of satanic ritual abuse per year. (laughs) That's fucking insane. So they would just kind of throw out these numbers, throw out these generalizations that were just untrue and were false and everybody was scared. So everybody was afraid that there were people out there that were Satanists that were here to like steal your kids. Yeah. But it just wasn't true. Which would make you fear anyone wearing black. Right. Any <laughs> anyone weirder. that listens to metal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people that they had arguing, well, how do you even put it? Like arguing against Satanism, but just saying that Satanism wasn't dangerous were like metal bands. Yeah. You know, like Ozzy Osbourne or some of the like Norwegian black metal bands were yeah. cited as people that represented this movement. But really, a lot of them were using it as kind of a cheeky marketing marketing tool. Yeah. Yeah. Biting the head off a bat, you know. Yes. (laughs) So there was just nothing real behind it. None of them were real practitioners of anything occult. Mm -hmm. They were just kind of using the symbolism or the buzzwords that people were throwing out there to kind of sell records or do whatever, Mm -hmm. which, you know. Yeah. I don't judge that. I'm just kind of like, how is someone so scared of creepy Ozzy Osbourne? You yeah. Know? We, we <laughs> use fucking 
sex to sell teenage pop songs. Exactly. So. It's been going on since forever. But for some reason, with the Satanism thing, people really freaked out. Huh. All that said, those are traditionally non-believers, including some of the people that would claim Satanism as a defense, possibly urged by their lawyers. But the cases that we're going to be covering are going to be diehard believers. Nice. Like actual occultists. You got the real shit. Yeah, cool. I got that good-ish. Um, side point. Uh, yeah. Um, how awesome would it be to be Geraldo? <laughs> <laughs> no, because... He got he, to go do all the cool shit. He went to the, like, Cropsy mental that's hospital. Exactly, yeah. He helped shut that down, right? Yep. Isn't that how it got shut down? And then you have this other satanic thing where you fucking put out all this false information. But you also were super helpful in getting this right. insane asylum shut down. They did know? make progress with some of the Geraldo reports or okay, Oprah cool. or anything like that. But still, it was just so widely sensationalized, you yeah. know? Crazy. I think nowadays there's just too much opportunity to disprove things because mm-hmm. as soon as you post something on the media, someone else will combat that and mm-hmm. be like, oh, no, I go to that school or I go – I know that person mm-hmm. and they're not a Satanist. Yeah. So it was easy for them to just put information out there and nobody was there to really fight it, huh. you know? Yeah. Thank God for the internet. Kind of. It sucks. Like, it's really bad because <laughs> everyone fights everything you say and nothing you say is wrong. It's everyone's correcting you all the time. But also, <laughs> but it also helps not get shitty facts out there. So, yeah. Or shitty, you know, whatever. I'm statistics. constantly Googling things to try and disprove everything. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so, today, the case that we're going over is Adolfo Constanzo who was known as the Godfather mm. or Il Padrino. El Padrino? Something like El Padrino. that. Padrino, yeah. Ah. Il Padrino, he's the illest. Yeah, he's the illest. <laughs> <laughs> Adolfo Constanzo was born in Miami, Florida on November 1st, 1962. His mother was a 15-year-old Cuban immigrant named Delia Aurora Gonzalez. Delia was a rebellious and resourceful teenager who supported herself through various petty crimes. Me too, girl. (laughs) (laughs) When Adolfo was six months old, Delia had her son blessed by a Haitian priest who practiced Palo Mayombe, which is a variation of West African religions. It's already bad. I already (laughs) know shit is going wrong. No, that voodoo and they... Nope. I'm scared of magic. (laughs) Swear to God. (laughs) (laughs) Practicing Palomayombe consists of various rituals, spells, and sacrifices to gain wealth or power. Palo draws no line between black and white, which allows practitioners to choose a good or bad path without moral judgments, making these practices very popular with criminals and drug dealers. When Adolfo was an infant, a Palo Mayombe priest told Delia that her son was a chosen one who was, quote, destined for great power. Delia's husband was also of the belief that their son was an extraordinary child. However, when he passed away while Adolfo was still an infant, Delia began dating a Catholic man. Delia's new boyfriend did not believe in Palo Mayombe, so when they got married, he insisted that Delia and Adolfo practice Catholicism. Yeah, that's completely opposite because there are consequences for having bad morals. Right. (laughs) Completely. A hundred percent. Also, I learned everything about Haitians from Chucky. So (laughs) (laughs) 
That's why. <laughs> that's, that's your point of reference here? Yeah. <laughs> I have never seen Chucky. Get out of here right now. We're fucking done. I quit. Get out. Seriously? Uh-huh. There's a lot of scary things that came out when I was a kid that I didn't see, and I never went back and watched them. We're going to go back together. We're going to go back in time. Yeah. Take my hand. <laughs> Adolfo was then baptized in his new stepfather's Catholic church where the family lived in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Delia had another child with her new husband, and as Adolfo became older, he got more involved in the church by becoming an altar boy. This is all bad. You've got, like, occultism, you're an altar boy. (laughs) This dude's (laughs) fucked. (laughs) Delia practiced Palo secretly with her children, and even traveled to Haiti with Adolfo to further his religious education. In 1972, the family moved to Florida, but soon after, Delia's second husband died. With the money from her second husband's death, Delia relocated back to Puerto Rico and immersed her children in Palo practices. I'm already scared of this lady because yeah. two husbands have died. Oh. And there's really no information about how they died, mm-hmm. just the fact that they died. And I'm like, something's not right here. Pussy two bomb? <laughs> <laughs> Killed by that good gushy gushy? <laughs> Yeah, there's just no information on what happened to them, but something doesn't seem right about that. Yeah. Delia now had two children to raise alone, so she returned to a life of crime to make ends meet. Sometimes Delia would even involve her children in her crimes as lookouts, distractions, or thieves. Why else would you have children? I mean, that's why you procreate. Exactly. For sure. I mean, that and just to, like, have people do things for me. like yeah. Hand me the remote. (laughs) Go steal that. You know, it's the same shit. She was often arrested for trespassing, shoplifting, fraud, theft, and neglecting her children. However, Delia always received only slaps on the wrist for her crimes. She attributed her good luck and being protected from severe punishment to Palomayombe. So she began practicing it more frequently. Well, it might work, dude. Honestly, she's getting away scot-free. See, you were talking shit, but now, after the show, we're going to be Palo experts. Yeah, I'm going to (laughs) convert. As Adolfo became older, Delia pushed him further into Palo and even got him an apprenticeship with a Haitian priest when he was 10. Delia told many people about how her son was, quote, chosen and informed them that he could predict the future. Mom's going to steal something. (laughs) Damn, that kid's good. He knows some things. (laughs) Just a bunch of shit from 7-Eleven falls from her shirts. (laughs) How'd he know? (laughs) He's psychic. (laughs) Neighbors began noticing strange things around the Constanzo home. Anyone who went inside their house observed bloodstains and the remains of sacrificial animals. I can't even cook meat. Let alone keep the bones. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I would not have it in me. I wonder if it's a cute bone, like a cute skeleton. Never mind. What if it just looks at you real cute and then yeah. you decide to spare its life? I mean, does that ever happen in these rituals? Or do you just try and steal its cuteness? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to invoke your cuteness. <laughs> 
There were whispers around the community that Delia was a witch. When someone had a confrontation or disagreement with Delia, they often found a headless goat or chicken on their doorstep the next morning. She's like a cat. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Just bringing you some prezzies. (laughs) Thinking of you. (laughs) If Delia heard that a neighbor had gossiped about her, they would find animal remains around their home. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Although he was young, Adolfo believed in the religion, but its practices made him extremely isolated from his peers. His mother created a separation between him and other children by making him help her with petty crimes or practice palo instead of playing with other kids. This childhood isolation and his mother's insistence that he was chosen would greatly impact Adolfo's ability to develop healthy relationships. He was personable and charming, but he found it difficult to truly get close to people and often treated people like he was above them. How do you go up and you're like, hey guys, you want to play a game? It's Ritual Sacrifice is my favorite game. It's so <laughs> fun. You be the goat. I don't want to be the goat. Oh, I really wanted to play house though. <laughs> no, fuck house. Well, in my house, there's dead animals. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> in his teens, Adolfo began having trouble in school. Either his superiority issues made it difficult to take direction from teachers, or he simply felt he didn't need school because he was chosen. I feel that. (laughs) (laughs) But still you persist. Yeah. (laughs) I'm chosen, but I should have a backup plan. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to hit this joint real quick and think about it. (laughs) Adolfo soon dropped out of high school and came out as gay. After he stopped going to school, he spent most of his time cruising gay bars or doing palo rituals and curses. He's living the life. That sounds awesome. (laughs) That sounds so much. I'm down for all of this. (laughs) Adolfo believed his psychic abilities were growing and says that he predicted the 1981 shooting of President Ronald Reagan. And he just let it happen? Yeah, right? Do something. (laughs) (laughs) He continued working with a Palo mentor and helped him earn money from Palo. His mentor was employed by local criminals to perform protection and prosperity rituals. His mentor was rich by all accounts and taught Adolfo about his philosophy, saying, The non-believers kill themselves with drugs, while we profit from their foolishness. Delia remarried again, and Adolfo's new stepfather was involved in Palo Mayombe and drug dealing. Get out, man, while you still can. (laughs) Around this time, Adolfo and his mother were arrested numerous times for minor crimes like theft, vandalism, and shoplifting, but neither of them were given extreme penalties for their crimes, which they again attributed to their practice of Palo. I read in one account that they shoplifted a chainsaw. How the fuck do you do that? (laughs) Let me stick this in my pant leg real quick. You just like go to Home Depot and put it on a cart and just roll that (laughs) shit out. (laughs) Maybe they do like, you know, do a spray paint where they put the rubber band around their ankle and then throw them into their sweatpants. put an entire... (laughs) I had a friend that stole a bong that way. (laughs) My hero. (laughs) 
I just have, find it hard to imagine a scenario where like that didn't draw any attention. Yeah. Wait, isn't the dad <laughs> drug dealing? Where's the money going? Right? I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just greed too. Just even if you have money, there's never enough. There's yeah. never enough things. You always want more. Like chickens? Yeah. Like more chickens? <laughs> more chickens, more goats. Yeah. He ain't a more provider. chainsaws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In 1983, at the age of 21, Adolfo Constanzo participated in a ceremony to pledge himself to Katie Pembe, or the religion of Satan. He committed to devoting himself to evil for profit. At the ceremony, he had symbols carved into his flesh, and he announced, My soul is dead. I have no God. Chill, chill, chill. wonder if they carved like a, like a sad frown. <laughs> like a little sad smiley. <laughs> a crying emoji yeah. with one tear. <laughs> <laughs> You're officially work for Satan now. <laughs> Single tear. <laughs> In 1983, he was scouted as a model and got a gig in Mexico City. While he was in Mexico City modeling, he spent his free time doing tarot card readings and telling fortunes in the LGBTQ neighborhood called Zona Rosa. While staying in Mexico City, he was dating and meeting new people which led him to pick up a few followers. He befriended a local psychic named Jorge Montez in the LGBTQ Zona Rosa neighborhood, and they began working together. He picked up Martin Rodriguez in a gay bar and also began seeing Omar Orea. Omar had been obsessed with the occult from an early age and was extremely excited to be sleeping with someone so experienced in Palo. Martin and Omar were not only dating Adolfo, but they quickly became his followers, servants, and disciples. Adolfo returned home after his Mexico City trip, but returned a year later to move in with Omar and Martin. Adolfo supported himself through fortune-telling and ritual cleansing services. Ritual cleanses were an extremely lucrative business, and Adolfo had many happy customers. Do you just go and like take a hose and hose people down for yep, money? <laughs> with sage water or something. <laughs> just throw a chicken at them. <laughs> Soon the news got around about Adolfo's abilities, and his business grew through word of mouth. With each successful reading or cleansing, he not only grew his client base, but also began collecting followers. People began calling him El Padrino, or the Godfather. With the news of his Palo skills spreading, his abilities quickly turned into an extremely profitable business and earned him more high-profile, wealthy clients. His most expensive ceremonies were approximately $5,000, but he had a complete menu of services for more affordable options. He kept detailed records of all the services he performed, along with the price and specific details of the ritual. Sacrifice of a rooster, in case you need to know, costs $6. I got that. <laughs> Goats were $30. Boa constrictors cost $450. Ooh. I got to tap out there. Yeah, that's, I'll take... One goat and two roosters, please. Can I get half a goat? Oh, can, no. can I get a side of goat, maybe? <laughs> like <laughs> Adult zebras were $1,100. Just make it a flat thousand. I don't, 
Are there get zebras it. in Florida? I mean, <laughs> I want so much. You want a zebra? I could get you a zebra. <laughs> I'll get you a zebra. <laughs> and then we're gonna kill this zebra. <laughs> and the most expensive option was African lion cubs that were valued at three thousand one hundred dollars. That's a steal, honestly. <laughs> How the fuck do you get African cubs? I know through customs, like or anything. Yeah. What? <laughs> oh, they're probably taking boats. I'm tripping. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Like a boat, like a small boat. I need to learn a lot more about the rare animal trade so I can get (laughs) me some monkeys. (laughs) We can get some quackas. Oh, quacka. (laughs) He soon developed a roster of high-profile clientele who enjoyed the spectacle of the rituals as much as the results. So Adolfo always gave these clients an elaborate show. These clients were actors, doctors, corrupt law enforcement, hitmen, thieves, or wealthy drug dealers. Their ceremonies and rituals were a huge show, and Adolfo was always looking for new ways to impress his clients. In addition to animal sacrifice, he would do big dramatic presentations using blood, animal remains, spiders, snakes, and scorpions. Do you think he did it like a la Benihana? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know they flip the Just shrimp the, into like, their hat <laughs> yeah probably that's a show okay. <laughs> the onion volcano and yeah, everything that's my favorite I'm assuming that's what it was <laughs> <laughs> the egg where they draw a heart with the right <laughs> he was totally drawing hearts I guarantee there were a lot of hearts in his rituals maybe in blood but it's fine an egg blood <laughs> a heart's a heart yeah. you know <laughs> According to Adolfo's records, one dealer in Mexico City paid him $40,000 over the course of three years for a variety of rituals and ceremonies. I mean, I could just pretend some shit. I can do Benihana shit. Yeah. Right? Seriously. (laughs) Get me like a few clients with this. I'm down. I'll kill a chicken. I don't fucking care. (laughs) I eat them. I'll eat them after, maybe after the ceremony. (laughs) Or just put your kids through college or something. I don't know. What the fuck? This is a good side hustle. It's like having Uber or something. Yeah, true. (laughs) True. With that kind of investment, Adolfo knew he had to put on a huge show. And working with heavily armed criminals always felt risky. Oh, yeah. If they don't like it, you're fucked. Yep. That show wasn't good enough. Who would again? <laughs> that lion was like a month too old. <laughs> <laughs> I said cub, not tween. <laughs> I asked for Lion King. It's looking like Lion King 2. Okay. <laughs> we do not want no sequels to this yeah. shit. <laughs> he decided that he needed to step up his rituals and set out to improve the ingredients he was using for his magic. Oh, like organic. Yes, exactly. (laughs) This is all grass-fed, (laughs) free-range, lion cub. (laughs) Adolfo and his three early followers raided graveyards and stole human remains to use as ingredients in his rituals. Adolfo began using a naganga, or cauldron, in his ceremonies and believed that the cauldron would give him more power. In Palomayambe, a naganga would be used to perform blood ceremonies, and feeding its sacrifices would make its power grow. Adolfo and his followers began using human remains to increase the potency and power of his rituals. Adolfo's rituals were known for giving people an extraordinary amount of protection or safety, 
and his psychic abilities were often depended on by local criminals. Adolfo's predictions were used by criminals to plan out heists or drug smuggling. He also performed magic to make criminals invisible to law enforcement and bulletproof. It was believed that his devout followers would always be invisible to police and bulletproof, even without the temporary shield of a recent invisibility ceremony. His followers boasted that police were unable to hold them, and the devil protected them from harm or arrest. They worshipped Adolfo as a deity, and viewed him as an ambassador to hell itself. So apparently there was a bunch of his followers and local cartel running around believing that they were completely invincible as a result of his spells, just taunting the police and other cartel members to, like, come at them, basically. Yeah, nothing bad can happen from that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> By 1986, Adolfo was quite wealthy. He was able to buy a bunch of luxury cars and a $60,000 condo in Mexico City. He bought it just cash down, too. <laughs> Adolfo was not only popular with criminals, but he also had many clients who were high-ranking law enforcement officers. At least four members of the Federal Judicial Police joined Constanzo's cult in Mexico City. In or out of uniform, they would openly socialize and do business with Adolfo. I find it really crazy that nobody was like, oh, maybe I should keep this on the low. Like, I'm, I'm openly in associating with a cult member, you yeah. know, like, or a cult leader at that. People believed in his magic so devoutly that they did not attempt to conceal their belief in his magic or their relationship with the powerful sorcerer. Say it loud, say it proud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cult and I'm proud. <laughs> The commander of the narcotics unit, Salvador Garcia, even became one of his disciples. Florentino Ventura, an officer in the Mexican branch of Interpol, was also a follower. In 1986, Florentino Ventura introduced Adolfo to the Calzada family, who were one of the main narcotics cartel families in Mexico. Adolfo quickly charmed the high-ranking officials and began a very lucrative working relationship with the family. When not performing magic for his clients, Adolfo had a side hustle of committing crimes himself. In one of these scams, he posed as a DEA agent to steal coke from a dealer in Guadalajara. After stealing the cocaine, he turned around and sold it for 100 k using his police contacts. So these federales were putting him in contact with people that would lie and sell drugs from him. Jesus. Corrupt cops are terrifying. Yeah. I want to go do that and be like, I'm the <laughs> cops here. Give me all your stuff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, his, all of his followers have DEA jackets and what? badges and the whole fucking thing. Yup. Oh, man. My dad wears an LAPD hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost the same thing. So Does he lame. try and steal coke? It's so lame. It's the, yeah, I wish he would. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's such a dork. I want some coroner, like LA County coroner yes. paraphernalia. That would be awesome. <laughs> I don't get why he has a side hustle if he's making 40 grand off. I know. <sighs> I mean, I guess it's just greed. Yeah, You true. just got to keep going, keep making that money. Mm-hmm. During this time, police believe Adolfo began to feed his cauldron with live human offerings. He sought protection for himself and began taking more risks. 
The risky behavior was likely a result of feeling more confident because he was making bigger sacrifices to his cauldron. With his newfound confidence, he also began to believe that the success of the Calzada cartel family could directly be attributed to his spells and rituals. He believed that the only reason the Calzadas were making so much money was because of his magic. Okay, either the magic works, they're super lucky, or the power of positivity like the secret works. It's placebo. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) On April 27, 1987, Adolfo decided to propose a partnership with the family. He believed that he should be an equal partner, but the Calzadas declined his proposition. I don't know if it's worse to fuck with a sorcerer or a cartel. (laughs) He seemed to easily accept the refusal at the time. But in actuality, he was simply planning his revenge. Three days after his proposition was refused, Guillermo Calzada and six members of his family vanished under mysterious circumstances. They were reported missing on May 1st, and when police arrived to investigate, they observed melted candles and other evidence of a strange religious ceremony at the property. Six more days passed before the remains began being discovered around the Zumpango River. The police began searching the river and soon found parts of seven different corpses over the next week. The body parts that were recovered all had evidence of torture and magic rituals. Pieces were removed from the bodies such as fingers, toes, ears, hearts, and genitals. The spine was ripped from one of the victims and two others were missing their brains. Police did not know at the time that these parts were all taken to strengthen Adolfo's cauldron. So apparently one of the things about this cauldron was that you would feed it the strongest parts of an individual. So if you had an extremely intelligent person, you would offer the sacrifice of the brain. If it was a very strong person, you may offer a piece of muscle and so on. I'm imagining the dick they found was right? small. Right, just the biggest one. No, the smallest <laughs> one. They left the smallest one. No. Biggest one goes in the cauldron. <laughs> In July 1987, the narcotics unit commander Salvador Garcia introduced Adolfo to Alio and Ovidio, the brothers who ran the Hernandez cartel family. Having heard of his extraordinary abilities, the Hernandez family eagerly began a partnership with Adolfo. He's like, you don't want me? I'll find someone else. I see you. (laughs) The Hernandez brothers had no problem with Adolfo's proposal of a partnership, and believed that working with such a powerful sorcerer would only be good for business. Over time, Adolfo's power and influence would increase within the Hernandez family, to the point of him becoming a 50% partner in their organization. At the same time he began his partnership with the Hernandezes, he also met a 22-year-old woman named Sarah Aldrete. She was attending college in Brownsville, Texas, and spent a lot of time in Mexico. Sarah played volleyball and was an A student who was studying to work in physical education. When the two met, they instantly gravitated to each other. Adolfo told her that her birthday was the same as his mother's, which somehow meant that they were destined to be together. That's creepy AF. You're just like my mom. It's so hot. What? You want to date? 
Sarah was dating a Texas drug smuggler named Gilberto Sosa at the time, but Adolfo seduced her, and they ended up sleeping together. Adolfo was eager to steal her from her boyfriend, so he anonymously called her boyfriend to inform him that she had cheated. (laughs) (laughs) Their relationship ended, so Adolfo and Sarah became a couple. Adolfo made her La Madrina, or godmother, and brought her into his following. Sarah embraced her new role as godmother and soon became well-practiced in Palo. She contributed to ceremonies and rituals as a leader alongside Adolfo. They did have a sexual relationship, but Sarah quickly realized that he preferred men and put her focus into their occult partnership over their romantic partnership. With the backing of the Hernandez family and a godmother by his side, Adolfo set out to feed his cauldron more high-stakes sacrifices beyond the animal kingdom and human remains. Is this a bottomless cauldron? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Do they dump it out? (laughs) Like, I don't even think they clean it because that's part of it. It's just like you keep putting more stuff in. So I don't know what's happening. Oh, God. Adolfo now began sacrificing men or boys to his cauldron on a regular basis. He would target drug dealers he'd argued with, exes, followers who disobeyed him, or even randomly kidnapping victims. Part of the ritual was that the sacrifices were supposed to die in pain, so he often sexually assaulted the victims before mutilating them and then sacrificing them. Adolfo believed that the pain of the victim made the magic stronger and told his followers they must die screaming. Whenever a victim died quietly or quickly, Adolfo would be disappointed and say that the ritual did not work. Then he would demand that his followers bring him a better victim so he could perform the ceremony again. That's rough. Super rough. Oh, man. (laughs) Holy shit. Sorry. This one's a rough one. No, it's good. It's good. Yeah. We should get a little barf bucket cauldron. (laughs) 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 In 1988, Adolfo and his followers moved to Rancho Santa Elena, to a small house in the desert. The remote property was off the main road and at the end of a bumpy, mile-long dirt road in a farming area. The farm was surrounded by cornfields, cattle, and other ranches. They set up a temple for human sacrifice, and the property soon became known as the Devil's Ranch which is coincidentally what Kelly calls her pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Going forward, the cult killings would all take place in the 14 by 24 foot shack on the ranch. I fucking hate ranches, dude. (laughs) (laughs) The new property was used to store large shipments of drugs and perform ritual murders. So it's like a vacation home, just like my summer home for murder. (laughs) The space they set up for murders was a dirty, run-down supply shack. The floor was bare concrete with cigar butts and chili peppers scattered around. There were many boxes of altar candles and empty bottles of tequila. The cauldron was kept by the front door and was constantly being fed new sacrifices. You better keep it by the front door, because that shit must stink. Maybe that's why they have the chili peppers on the floor to really bring (laughs) out. the smell and the cigars. (laughs) Smells of... Spicy in here. (laughs) Spicy and smoky. (laughs) 
The cauldron always contained a mixture of blood and bones from various sacrifices, along with long sticks protruding out of the pot. Around the shack, there were smaller cauldrons with animal remains in them. Outside the shack, the empty ranch had plenty of land for burying bodies or disposing of evidence. With the ranch set up, Adolfo set out to build his empire by sacrificing more people to the cauldron. He shot a drug dealer, Hector de la Fuente, and a farmer named Moises Castillo. He was not satisfied with the quality of the two previous sacrifices, so he oversaw the torture and murder of a trans woman named Raul Paz Escovel. I'm wow. not sure what name Raul went by. I couldn't yeah. find it anywhere. I would like to use what name they preferred. Yeah. However, the only name I found was Raul. It seems kind of stupid that if you want someone to scream and die before, why would you shoot them? Yeah. There was a lot of that where there was victims that maybe struggled or they couldn't overpower them or they just maybe got frustrated or something and they ended up killing them quickly. Mm. And then that would be a, quote, botched killing that didn't meet his standards and then they'd go out and do it again well if he planned better (laughs) he could save time (laughs) the remains were dumped on a public street and found by local children Uh. i know a month later ovidio hernandez and his two-year-old son were kidnapped by rival narcotics dealers so the family asked adolfo for help Adolfo performed another human sacrifice to ensure their safe release, and they were returned home shortly after. The safe return of Ovidio and his son were directly attributed to Adolfo's magic. He gets the credit for everything. Well, it seems like it's working. I swear this <laughs> no. guy would have a five-star rating on fucking Yelp. I swear <laughs> to God, I want to see that Yelp. Like, he's the best. <laughs> Works every time. I don't know where the toes came from, but... <laughs> but it worked. <laughs> Thanks for getting my kid back. Oh, jeez. Ovidio was so grateful to Adolfo that he decided to become a devout follower. Adolfo's ties with the Hernandez family were cemented when Ovidio Hernandez was initiated as a full-fledged cultist in a ceremony using bloodletting and prayers. Shortly after the kidnapping was resolved, Adolfo learned that the friend who had introduced him to the Hernandez family had died. The police officer Florentino Ventura committed suicide in Mexico City on September 17th after taking the life of his wife and a friend. In November, Adolfo discovered that one of his cult members named Jorge Valente, Jorge Valente de Fierro Gomez, had been violating Adolfo's rule, banning drugs by using cocaine. Adolfo decided to sacrifice Jorge in one of his rituals as a punishment for disobeying his orders. And probably to show other people to obey him. But that's just my opinion. It's not, I mean, it's cool to Pretend you're DEA and steal drugs, (laughs) but don't you dare snort it. Just stare at it longingly while drooling. That's the best (laughs) thing to do with cocaine. I'm really good at that. (laughs) (laughs) On February 14th, 1989, Adolfo had drug dealers Ezequiel Rodriguez Luna, Ruben Vea Garza, and Ernesto Rivas Diaz tortured to death at the ranch. Nine days later, the cult members attempted to kidnap another person at random, but the victim put up such a fight that they shot him in the process. 
What a great way to spend Valentine's Day. Oh. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> this guy's just getting away with everything. I fucking yes. Oh, I can't wait till he gets caught. Please Killing tell me people gets- with flowers and chocolates in their hands. <laughs> <laughs> he just dresses up as Cuban and shoots people with arrows. Oh, no. Gets them in the cauldron. Oh. Chase them around the farm. <laughs> oh, little angel wings. He was wearing some diapers and stuff. Halo. <laughs> Adolfo scheduled another human sacrifice ritual for March 13, 1989, in order to ensure the safe passage of a large drug shipment. However, the victim's suffering wasn't sufficient in Adolfo's opinion, so he sent his followers out to find another victim. He demanded that the cult members bring him an American student for his next ritual, because he needed to sacrifice a valuable brain. That's kind of like a compliment, right? Yeah, and (laughs) racial profiling, but (laughs) Jesus. This guy's really needy. He strives for excellence. (laughs) Perfectionist in all accounts. His followers went to a border town where college students came on spring break, and they set out to find their next victim. The group stumbled upon 21-year-old pre-med student Mark Kilroy while he had left his group of friends to find somewhere to pee. You always pee in groups, you know? Yeah. Bring a buddy. (laughs) This shy pee syndrome kill (laughs) you. Adolfo's followers approached Mark as police officers, and he believed them, so he put up no resistance. When Mark didn't return after a couple hours, his friends crossed the border back to Texas without him. What? Oh, Mark's fine. We'll just leave him in Mexico. I know. I bet they assumed he was just having a really great time. You know, they were just like, he met a girl, he's just drinking, whatever. (sighs) And they were like, we gotta go. Don't you ever leave me in Mexico. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> dick or no dick, you're, you're waiting. <laughs> I'll sit around and yeah. stay in the corner and watch. <laughs> it take me a cool eight to nine minutes to handle what I'm handling. So <laughs> it won't be that long. I'll be back. <laughs> Mark Kilroy was brought to the ranch and briefly held captive before being murdered with a machete. Texas officials immediately put pressure on Mexican police to find Mark Kilroy. American officials were closely involved in the case, and the victim's family offered $15,000 reward for any information leading to their son's safe return. Local police interrogated 127 known criminals about Kilroy's possible whereabouts. During their investigation, they questioned a drug dealer named Serafine Hernandez-Garcia, who was a frequent visitor to Costanzo's ranch but that was the closest they got to Mark Kilroy's murderer. As the investigation proceeded, Adolfo continued business as usual. The cult sacrificed godmother Sarah's ex-boyfriend, Gilberto Sosa, soon after. On April 1st, Victor Sauceda, a corrupt cop turned gangster, was sacrificed at the ranch, which enabled Adolfo to predict that a drug shipment would have safe passage in its upcoming travels across the border. The crew proceeded to haul a half-ton shipment across the border seven days later. In late March 1989, Mexican authorities were in the midst of an intense drug smuggling crackdown. Police were out in full force, roadblocks were set up, and border towns were searched for smugglers. 
In early April 1989, one of Adolfo's followers sped past a police checkpoint because he believed that Adolfo's rituals made him invisible to officers. The follower believed in the Godfather's magic and was shocked when officers began following him. The man continued towards his destination as he taunted the police to shoot him because he also believed in the magic spells that made bullets ineffective on him. Officers followed the petty criminal all the way back to Rancho Santa Elena, known as the Devil's Ranch. After a quick search of the property revealed narcotics, the police arrested a couple followers at the scene. Once in custody, the followers openly admitted to involvement in Mark Kilroy's abduction and murder. Okay, I know I said snitch before, but don't snitch on a sorcerer. Seriously. (laughs) The thing about them was that they really believed no matter what happened, they would always be set free. Even if they confessed to a crime, they believed that it was okay. I watched like a mini documentary where they had footage Mm -hmm. of some of the people confessing and even being at the ranch and pointing out the bodies around the ranch. And they're very self-assured. They don't care. They speak about it very matter-of-factly. And they're just saying like it's just any other thing Mm -hmm. that we killed this person. There's this body here. Just stating the facts because they truly believe that there was no way they would be held accountable. Acting like Robert Durst. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like right? a fucking millionaire, billionaire. Seriously. Fucking, yeah. If you have money, nothing, you know, you're invisible. Yeah. They just much. had the ultimate power and this track record of constantly getting away with things. Mm-hmm. They believed that there was no way yeah. anything would happen. I mean, the magic's worked until then. Right. So. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Typically, interrogators in this area were known to use threats and violence to get information from criminals. But Adolfo's followers freely admitted to participation in numerous crimes. It was clear that these followers truly believed that law enforcement could not hold them or punish them because of their participation in Palo Mayombe. Some of the followers were matter-of-fact while describing their crimes, while others were all out taunting the police and proclaiming that the cops would not be able to hold them. On April 11, 1989, police returned to the ranch with some of Adolfo's followers and proceeded to question them about the ranch and the murder of Mark Kilroy. Again, the criminals openly and proudly gave information about the death of Mark Kilroy and their involvement in the murder. Acting like Suge Knight and shit. (laughs) (laughs) Can't touch me. The police searched the shed and investigated Adolfa's Naganga cauldron, which contained blood, spiders, scorpions, a black cat, a turtle shell, bones, deer antlers, sticks, and a human brain. They must have played a lot of Tetris or something. Ugh, God. It's a whole lot of shit. You want to get stew after this? I'm kind of <laughs> hungry. <laughs> Just Where's my barf cauldron? <laughs> Every time they threw something in there, like uh, Emeril Lagasse, bam! <laughs> Here's a black cat, bam! Spice it up, bam! <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Cult members also directed law enforcement to Adolfo's private cemetery. They began having the cult members point out and dig up the bodies, but this began to get tedious. So they started to use bobcats and dump trucks from neighboring farmers. Over the course of five days, 15 bodies were found. In addition to Mark Kilroy and other victims already named, 
They also found two renegade federal narcotics officers, Joaquin Manzo and Miguel Garcia, along with three men who were never identified. The next day, police raided Adolfo's home outside Mexico City. Adolfo was nowhere to be found, but they did discover stockpiles of pornography and another hidden ritual temple in his home. Adolfo was on the run with Sarah, two of his boyfriends, and a hitman, Alvaro de Leon, a.k.a. El Duby. Squad. (laughs) (laughs) He was hiding out in the houses of various cult members and making plans to flee Mexico. The more time passed, the more various other cult members were arrested. They finally settled in an apartment building in Mexico City, where they safely hid for months. Police televised the destruction of the Devil's Ranch and showed the burning cauldron in hopes of getting Adolfo out of hiding. Adolfo was furious, and his tarot card reading made him believe that this was the result of betrayal. He began getting more paranoid every day. Adolfo kept an Uzi with him at all times, and he rarely slept. He turned some of his paranoia and aggression on the small group in the apartment, telling them that the police could not kill them, but the Godfather could. I feel like we're watching Scarface right now. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's the way every sort of cartel or mob or whatever murder, like, it ends with that. Yeah, guns. They eventually are just implode. Yeah, absolutely. And all this paranoia. Yeah. Because of betrayal. Yeah. Yep. It's like, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. (laughs) You'd be the one person that would get away with it? Yeah, of course. (laughs) On May 2nd, Sarah tried to save herself by tossing a note out the window. It read, Please call the judicial police and tell them that in this building are those they are seeking. Give them the address, fourth floor. Tell them that a woman is being held hostage. I beg for this because what I want most is to talk, or they're going to kill the girl. A passerby found the note, but believed it was a prank, so he never reported it to authorities. That's not a haha funny prank. Like, yeah. He really, the person really believed it was a joke. Like someone was just playing. It was a terrible it's fortune fucked cookie. Fucked up. Right? <laughs> <laughs> On May 6, 1989, police were searching the streets for a missing child when Adolfo noticed them canvassing the area. Although the police presence was unrelated to Adolfo, he assumed it was for him and began to open fire on the police. Soon, 180 police officers all responded to the shots, and Adolfo was surrounded. A gun battle went on for 45 minutes. Adolfo was determined not to go to prison, so he handed his gun to follower Alvaro de Leon and ordered him to shoot himself and Martin Quintana. Alvaro said, I couldn't do it, but he hit me in the face and threatened that everything would go bad for me in hell. Then he hugged Martin, and I shot them both. By the time police reached the apartments, both Adolfo and Martin were dead. Alvaro de Leon and Sarah Aldrete were immediately arrested. Alvaro told police, the Godfather will not be dead for long. At the time of the arrest, detectives said, they admitted to a total of 14 killings in a nine-month period. There were indications from other people that there could have been more. There could possibly be even more at this very site. 
I wouldn't be surprised if there were more at other locations, but we don't have any way of proving or disproving that. Different accounts estimate that there were an additional 20 to 40 victims that were not at the ranch cemetery, which could be attributed to Adolfo Constanzo's cult. At a press conference in Brownsville, Texas, Mark Kilroy's father, James, said that the underlying lesson in his son's death was that even casual drug users should remember that they are supporting criminal enterprises like the one that killed his son. James said, Mark never had any involvement in narcotics. He was afraid of narcotics, but it was narcotics that killed him. When people sit there and tell you that a marijuana cigarette doesn't hurt you, they're wrong. Marijuana is what killed Mark. These guys were marijuana smugglers. Oh, man. Do you want to say anything on behalf of marijuana? Um, <laughs> well, I think it's really unfair <laughs> to demonize a plant. <laughs> Adolfo escaped into death. It is unknown how many victims he slaughtered. But 14 of his followers were jailed for between 35 to 67 years for multiple murders, drugs, and weapons offenses. The survivors all got massive jail sentences. It is unknown how many victims Constanzo killed, but Sarah told reporters, I don't think the religion will end with us. Because it has a lot of people in it, it will continue. A total of 14 cult members were charged with a wide range of crimes, from murder to drug running. In August 1990, El Dubi was convicted of killing Adolfo Constanzo and Martin Quintana, which got him a 30-year prison sentence. Cultists Juan Fragosa and Jorge Montes were both convicted in the Ramon Esquivel murder and sentenced to 35 years each. Omar Orea was also convicted in the same case, but he died of AIDS before he could be sentenced. Initially, the cult's godmother, Sarah Aldrete, was convicted of criminal association and sentenced to only six years. In her second trial, she was charged with several counts of murder and sentenced to 30 years in prison. Thank goodness. <laughs> Upon her release from Mexican jail, she will also be charged in the U.S. with the murder of Mark Kilroy. So the lesson is, don't ever pick up an American. <laughs> and don't smoke marijuana cigarettes. Oh, yeah? Is that the lesson you're taking? Yeah, I'm actually one? a change person. <laughs> I'm just going to say. I believe every word of that. Yeah. <laughs> It's so crazy to me that him, with all his followers and his cult leading, as well as Jim Jones, both went out in the way of just letting someone kill them or killing themselves. When it really comes down to it, they're just weak and scared. Super weak. Yeah, just completely weak. And you wanted people to die. Like, you tortured people mm -hmm. and you just took the easiest way out, you fucking yep. piece of shit. Yep. And... <sighs> He had somebody else do it and let everybody else take the fall. Yeah. Everybody else survived and had to get all this jail time for shit that he led. I, I only know. do Harry Potter magic because you would have <laughs> Wingardium Leviosa all the cops out of there and it would have been fucking fine. Is that a real spell? Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> <laughs> or I don't know. I don't. What are you talking about? <laughs> 
yeah, this is crazy. That's so fucked. And I hate that uh, one of the people got 30 years for two people when another person got 35 years for one person. Yeah. And I don't know enough about the trials to know what was the yeah. difference between them. But it had to be just the level to which they were involved, like as far as just taking orders or initiating it themselves, mm-hmm. you know. But either way, it's like someone could tell me to kill and I'm not going to kill someone. Like they obviously had this in them that they were true believers Mm -hmm. as well as having that ability to murder someone. Mm -hmm. You have to have that in you. There's no way someone just... Just like my cauldron's really hungry. Just like, okay, here, let me kill someone. Yeah. A normal person is not going to say that. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Anyway, you want to do a couple iTunes reviews? Uh, My favorite. Absolutely. (laughs) So we don't have a whole lot of time, but we got a couple, and then I'll save a couple for next week because we're running a little bit late. I'm so excited for a barf cauldron. We've really been missing out on that. (laughs) (sighs) We need to start using that for sure because there's a lot of these stories, not (sighs) just today, but a lot of stories I'm like, queasy AF. Mm -hmm. Our first review tonight is from Rachel who says that they look forward to every new episode and that they love our friendship. Aw. Me too. (laughs) too. (laughs) Thank you so much, Rachel. We really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. The next one is from What's Up Podcast, who's an awesome podcast. You should listen to them. I'm going to check it out. They said that they listen to a lot of podcasts, but there are a few that make them actually laugh out loud. And they said that the necrophilia episode of all things made them laugh. (laughs) (laughs) If one thing's going to make you laugh, necro boners. (laughs) So thank you so much to the What's Up podcast. Uh, My goal in life is to make people LOL. So (laughs) that's so awesome. The next one is from That's Delightful. They said lots of murder mystery podcasts to choose from. This one breaks up the monotony with a bit of humor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you. you, you super delightful, beautiful bastard. <laughs> That's what people say after they've gone down on me. <laughs> <laughs> That's delightful. <laughs> the next one is from Black Stang. Another LK Stang. <laughs> Black Stang. That is the best porn star name. I swear to God. I know. If you're listening, please become a porn star. Yeah. Please. Please. We need you. Yeah. <laughs> this is your calling. <laughs> Black Stang said that they love the podcast and our chemistry. They enjoy our sense of humor and keep up the good work. Aw, we so love thank you. thank you to Black Stang. Yeah, thanks, Black our Stang. Our new favorite porn star. <laughs> the next review is from Achaeus. A-Y-K-A-Y-E-S-S. Achaeus? Achaeus! Achaeus! (laughs) (laughs) They said that this is quickly becoming the podcast that they get most excited about listening to each week. Thank you so much. So cool. I get excited (laughs) for that. (laughs) Every week, Kelly texts me the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) God, I really do text you the same thing every fucking week. <laughs> and I think we're going to save the rest of them for next time because it's getting a little bit late. So we've got a couple more for next week. If you didn't hear yours, we want to say thank you and we'll shout you out next week. Yeah. If you haven't left a review already, we would really appreciate it if you would go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review and we would love to thank you as well. 
If you haven't followed us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, we have pages on there. So definitely check those out and give us a follow. And if you need any resources for victims, as we said at the beginning of the show, they will be in the show notes and description, along with links for some of my research material for the case that we covered tonight. If you want to read further on the story that we talked about and also that little documentary with the interviews from the cultists, that's really interesting. I'll put that in there, too. I want to see that. And if you haven't gone over to our Patreon, like we said before, we have merch. It is shipping out to you guys. So go ahead and check out Patreon if you want to get some stickers, some buttons, thank you note, all that stuff. Condoms. It's so good. I love our merch. I'm keeping it a secret. Oh, sorry. Uh, Sorry. Dental dams. (laughs) True crime Jimmy hat. (laughs) So definitely head over to Patreon and check that out. We've got bonus episodes and merch available for you guys. And I think that's going to be it for this week. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.